So if you could do your best to describe what was the feeling in that experience rather than maybe what you saw. I am very open-minded and I want to live the full human experience. What would you say the biggest lesson is that you took from your experience? That the body knows how to heal itself if we let it. Every answer and every cure that we are seeking is... Hello, all you beautiful people. It's Ryan Bogdan with Talking St. Pete. Welcome back to another awesome episode. Before I dive into today's guest, I want to let you know that this episode is sponsored by Bogdan Homes. If you know anyone who's looking to buy, sell, or invest in real estate, give us a call. We'll help you out. And now for our amazing, beautiful guest, we have Lonnie, who has a laundry list of an incredible background. She was an attorney. She's now a clinical hypnotherapist, uh, an ayahuasca integration guide. And many, many, many other amazing things is also being um, a guest I've been really excited to talk to as I want to explore how you got here and the journey of ayahuasca and all the fun things that, that you've uh, that led you up until this moment. So welcome. Thank you for having me. Yes. Excited. Yes. Thank you for being here. So so I, I'm, I just got to dive right in. Sure. Um, attorney to ayahuasca and hypnotherapist guide that just... Please start from the top. How did we get here? Sure. So I decided when I was eight years old that I wanted to be a lawyer. Um, my idealistic perception of an attorney is attorneys are people who speak for people who can't speak for themselves. And I thought that was such an empowering thing, especially being female, um, being Filipino as well, and my family being very religious. Um, you are you speak when you're spoken to, essentially. So to be told when I was eight years old at a field trip to the Capitol, that your voice can actually matter. That was something that was so powerful to me. So at eight years old, I said, I want to be a lawyer. Um, however, my parents said, do you know what lawyers are? And they told me, because they are from the Philippines, where politicians and lawyers are corrupt, they told me lawyers are people who make straight things crooked and crooked things. Oh, my goodness. Uh -huh. So... Uh, my parents are like, do you want to be a professional liar? And they said, no, I don't. So they're like, so you can't be an attorney. Um, but that being said, I still thought that attorney was it for me. Um, and I loved the idea of it. So I eventually did move from Virginia to Florida and I became a lawyer. Um, I became a lawyer at the age of 23. Oh, moving fast. <laughs> moving very quickly. Um, and Passed the bar at 23? I passed the bar at 23. Years Congratulations. Old. Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, so what I realized is in addition to doing those things, and when we talk about the hierarchy of needs, we all need food, we need shelter, we need a roof over our heads. And after all of those things are accomplished, what happens next? And the next part of that is enlightenment. And how is it that we get there? Um, I think we're all there. We're all trying to go on this healing journey. And for myself, what I realized at 23, um, and actually a little bit after that is, okay, I'm a lawyer. Um, I became a partner at a firm, still am, check, um, but it wasn't enough. So we said, okay, triathlon, check, marathon, check, not enough, MMA, check, okay, aerial acrobatics, check, and nothing was ever enough. And what I realized is the life that I had built that looked picture perfect was very unsatisfying. What about it was unsatisfying to you? What was the like? So you're missing something. You're, there was a void there that you're trying to fill. What, what was it? A feeling? Was it? What, what was going on? As cheesy as it sounds, love. 
Um, and that is really what it all comes down to is once we get all of those needs satisfied, at the end of the day, we are human and all we really need is connection to love, to be seen. Um, and I had built this life trying to look picture perfect so that I could achieve that love, self-love, love from other people. And um, getting student loan debt and getting a law degree is not the way to do it. <laughs> um, so um, I had realized that there was more to and I had a very difficult childhood. So by the time I was four, I had been raped. I had been abused. Um, I had witnessed someone commit suicide when I was eight years old. So I had a lot of things that I was trying to overcome that I thought made me unworthy. So ultimately, I've been through decades of counseling. Um, I started when I was 18 years old. Um, I did hypnotherapy as well. And there was still something lacking. And ultimately I went to Colombia and I did ayahuasca and that completely changed my life. And I realized at that moment that I had built a life completely on my lack of worth. And when I realized that we are all worthy as we are, there's nothing to prove to anybody. Um, that's really when I made my life began. <laughs> wow. 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 So many uh, things there to dive deeper in because uh, uh, what a crazy journey and, okay. and, and, crazy that what you had to experience at such a young age um that that all you know but eventually led to this moment essentially right um okay so you're experiencing all that you you start counseling at 18 you have your law degree by 23 you're moving and shaking trying all these different things mm -hmm. how where did you decide okay i'm going to go to columbia and do this thing called ayahuasca and let's stop there for those who don't know what ayahuasca is could you please inform those who have never heard of it sure so ayahuasca is made it's essentially a very nasty tea tastes like motor oil um and they use it have you drank motor oil i have not but i have like <laughs> 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 only a fan right right um but essentially um it has been used in the andes for centuries as a medicinal cure for various things also for spiritual reasons as well um, so I decided at 27, that's when my life kind of turned around and I realized, what am I doing? And I had a friend tell me, you should travel. And I was like, wait, zero sense. I told you, I don't know if I like my job. A relationship ended. I don't know what I'm doing. And you're telling me to be and travel. And that actually was a cure for all. And I realized you gained so much perspective and our problems seemed so little. Um, so I started traveling when I was 27. So from 27 to 35. I've been to 29 countries wow, myself. that's awesome. Um, and ultimately, Colombia called to me. Um, I am very open-minded, and I want to live the full human experience. So I did eat a random lamb part in Africa. I drank blood. Whoa, wait, yeah, wait, wait what, what was the, what? okay, lamb heart laying there. Why are we eating that? Who, where, how did you end up there? So um, I was staying with a host in Morocco, and the first day I get there, he goes, welcome. Here's pizza. Um, I don't eat gluten or dairy. And he's like, I thought all Americans love pizza. And I felt so guilty for not, you know, he went out of his way to find pizza in Morocco. And I didn't eat it. And I felt so guilty to like reject this hospitality. So then the next day he says, let me take you to a local place and show you like a local dish. And in this dish was heart of various animals and i'm like well it's gluten-free it's <laughs> i guess this is happening i can't say no the second time right right um so that was how that happened okay 
So just opportunity traveling, you put you're put in front of new opportunities, new experiences that you never thought you would have to Yeah. But be in front of to whether you're gonna eat a, a, a lamb heart. I'm eating a lamb heart, I'm drinking the blood of a calf. Again, this is a cultural thing I couldn't refuse. Right. <laughs> so I was like, I guess I have to. Right, right. Uh, drank from the Ganges, which is the most polluted body of water in the world. And I'm alive. I don't have three eyes, so it worked out. Yes. Um, and ultimately, um, ayahuasca was something that called to me. Um, I went for my birthday, and my birthday is particularly difficult because my grandfather was um, suicidal at my birthday party at eight years old. So every birthday I had, I had chronic PTSD. And I didn't want to have to deal with that anymore. So I went to Colombia, a very traditional place. It's not like the fancy Rhythmia that all the celebrities go to. It is the local real deal. And I went there searching for healing. And because, again, I had gone to counseling since I was 18. I had gone to hypnotherapist. I was like, I'm just going to go here and I'm going to talk to God. And God's going to tell me why it happened. And I'm going to... You had no idea what this was going to be like. I was like howling like a creature on the floor. Um, reliving a lot of things. Right, right, right. Okay, okay, okay. So, so yeah. So, so for those listening, ayahuasca is a psychedelic. Yes. Um, but it, it goes back thousands of years, and it is correct me. It's a, it's a root. Yeah. Uh, mixed with what? Well, there's something else, right? Isn't there? It's so, like a combination of things. Yes. So essentially, what the active ingredient in there, um, unfortunately, is metabolized by our bodies very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um. So, um. It's essentially DMT. It's a natural occurring DMT, um, but that naturally only occurs when people are about to die. For example, people have cardiac arrest, they've noticed DMT. Um, Meaning that DMT is released into the brain. It's produced by the human body naturally, and we have it, and it's just by taking ayahuasca, you're getting a higher dose of it without having to die. Exactly. Um, So that's essentially what it is, and they brew it in such a way um, that it can stay in our system for a little bit longer. So it's about four to six hours um, that one dose would last. Okay. All right. So, so in you mentioned centers. There are fancy centers that you can go into that are proper retreats and things like that that people have paid for in Costa Rica, Colombia, all these different places. Yes. But yours was not like that. You were with with a tribe who were you with who was guiding you through this journey sure so the group that i was with they are originally from the amazon and they train it's passed down in their generation it's in their lineage so they start training at nine years old um so i've actually met the future shaman he is nine and he's taken it about 30 times oh (laughs) so um it's the real deal it's the authentic experience and you see a lot of locals coming there locals with mental illness locals the last time i went for example um, a woman brought her daughter, a teenager. She was about 12. She had witnessed her father um, murder her brother. Um, so um, that helped with a lot of the grief because children can't articulate at that age what they're going through. Mm-hmm. But ayahuasca gave them that emotional release that they needed in order. Yes, yes. So it's the ego killer, go talk to the mother, yeah. all all the things. I've never experienced it, but yeah. I've done a lot of homework and researched and, yeah. and heard a few stories. Okay, so let's because let's paint the picture. So, what what what's the scenery like? Where are we How, from the start of the ceremony to the end? As much as you're willing to share, because I know it's personal. Um, sure. The, but but paint the picture for us. So, are you in a are you in a hut? Are you in a cab? Where where are you? Are you in the middle of the woods? What what's happening? Sure. So I was slightly disappointed when I got there because you think authentic experience and you think like 
tribe. So you expect like people in like indigenous clothes. It's like, uh, no, it's, you know, 2023. Right, right. Um, they're going to wear what people wear, but yep. they are still very gifted. And so essentially the ceremony itself occurs outdoors. So it is a covered space, um, but it's essentially outdoors and reconnecting with nature. Um, they don't speak English there. So um, I speak Spanish like a toddler. <laughs> so my Spanish has gotten better, but everybody was extremely kind. Um, and I did a two-day ceremony for my first experience. And the first day I was like, I'm just going to talk to God and this is going to be a happy experience and I can control this whole thing. Um, well, that's not what happened. And I ended up basically crying, screaming at the sky, crawling around on the floor. Which for some sound was it a terrifying experience while you were going through it? Um, initially it was, um, for myself, anger is something that I don't feel in regular life. Um, anger is, I feel sadness. I feel other feelings, but anger is not something I'm accustomed to. So when, but I'm human, yeah. the body still needs to feel it. Yeah. So when I did ayahuasca and all of a sudden I am screaming because there is some sort of anger pent up inside me, all of a sudden after I finish, I go, oh, I feel lighter. Mm. And then I'm like, okay, just. You, release control and you were like, carrying this thing with you you didn't even know it was there and the thing and it came out it came many things came out so there was a lot of crying a lot of forgiveness as well um so when you acknowledge the thing we're talking about and you're able to heal it that's really when you start to see what your purpose is and who you truly are and what you're meant to do on this that's beautiful. Yeah. That's beautiful. Have you read the Four Agreements? I have read the Four Agreements. Yeah. So it's a, and I don't know if it's that one or the Mastery of Love. He talks about when we have open wounds, right? When we touch them, they hurt. Yeah. But it, you know, we can forgive, but not forget. And right. when it heals, it's like a scar. You know, it's there, but it doesn't hurt anymore when you touch it. Yeah. And from what I've heard, now you tell me, like ayahuasca is a healing process that allows those who have. PTSD, any uh, uh, emotional trauma, sort of things like that. And even if you don't, but it unlocks all these doors that allows you to experience some things that maybe you've had bottled up for a while. Is that accurate? Or? It is very accurate. I will say for myself, what I've noticed from other programs is the hardest thing is not doing ayahuasca. The hardest thing is coming home and integrating what you've learned. So I like to say that ayahuasca is the catalyst for growth, healing, forgiveness, but it is not a crutch, and we actually have to do the work. Right. Yeah, so what does that, what, you know, whether for yourself or for others, what does that look like? What, what would you say the biggest lesson is that you took from your experience, and, and how many times have you done it? I have done it four times, mm -hmm. um, and the biggest lesson that I have learned is that the body knows how to heal itself if we let it. Every answer and every cure that we are seeking is within, and all we have to do is listen. Um, and if we can truly do those things, I think that's when we unlock the mm, mm, How powerful is that? So we say, listen, what what are we listening to? Is it that, that gut feeling? Is it that little voice that's in the back of the head? You say, listen, like, what are we listening to? I like to say that we're listening for God. Mm. So depending on, actually every culture has some variation of this. In Christianity, we say that man is created in God's image. Um, in India, theirs is my favorite story. There are many gods, and Brahma is the chief god. And unfortunately, humans were taking advantage of their humanity, or their godliness, excuse me. So Brahma, he collected all the gods together and said, the humans, they are not honoring their divinity. We got to take it away. What do we do with it? 
You got to hide it. And one God suggested, let's hide it at the top of the mountain. Brahma said, no, find it eventually. So then they said, let's hide it at the bottom of the ocean. And no, they'll find it eventually. Too. So what they realize is, what if we hide that godliness and divinity inside themselves? That's where they'll never They'll never look inside. They'll never look. Who does that? Everything yeah. else is the problem. I'm not the problem. <laughs> so regardless of the story, they like to say that there is divinity, there's godliness in everyone. And I think that's what we're listening to. For a practical approach, what does that sound like? When you're sleepy, you, sleep. mm-hmm. you don't drink coffee. You don't drink energy drinks. If something doesn't sit well with you, if you don't like a person, you don't like a situation, you don't just suck it up man it up you deal with it so there is something constantly trying to talk to us and unfortunately in this grind mentality we don't say lying i got i gotta work come on <laughs> you gotta go you can have it all uh-huh. though so there is a balance and there's a give and take and when we start listening to whatever it is that tells us i'm hungry i'm lonely i'm sad i'm empty and we honor it it talks louder and louder and it gives you more information so when we learn to honor that intuition, that voice, it tells us more. We have to listen first. It's beautiful. I love it. I love that you experienced that. And so tell me, what does the you know integration guide, what, what does that look like? And, and one, it's, a, it's amazing that you're here at, because, you know, talking St. Pete. So how do we tie that back in, right? Well, that I think St. Pete is such an open-minded community yeah. and can accept. I'm sure you found tons of like-minded people like yourself that have had similar experiences in some capacity to where you're probably really able to connect on that. Yes. So integration is basically the process of coming home and taking the lessons that you've learned and making it or making it useful so that you can actually lead a better life. My integration process was not supported in the sense that they say, oh, talk to a shaman or talk to this person who's in a completely different country. Um, And it wasn't as structured as I would like. Um, So I did reach out in St. Pete because there are so many people and I found friends who were able to support me through that. Um, I also did various meetups. So there was someone in Canada, there was an educated and trained person in Phoenix. And I said, why isn't there someone who is helping us through the entire process and the hardest process, the hardest part of it? So that's when I created uh, my program, which is the Ayahuasca Awakening. So um, St. Petersburg is definitely a beautiful place to be able to explore spirituality and alternative healing as well. Yeah, no, for sure. We, we've had, we had um, all kinds of um, sound bowl healing yeah. on here and everything else. And um, there, I've noticed there's a lot of open-mindedness and spirituality throughout St. Pete. It's really beautiful. So the so the integration part for you is post ayahuasca. Yeah. So someone comes back from their journey, yeah. wherever they decided to go to to experience that, and now they say, "I have all this new information, all these new profound thoughts and experiences, but I don't know how to apply them into my daily life, yeah. or I need a support group or system." And that's where you come in. That is me. So I decided after my first ayahuasca journey that my highest purpose was to help other people find their own light. Um, so I am an ayahuasca integration guide. I am also um, a clinical Yeah, well, tell me what that means. Let's talk to me like a fifth grader. I don't know sure. what that means. So I'll make it easy. Do you know the color red? I do. When did you learn red? Couldn't tell you. Um, okay. So you don't remember when you learned red, but when you were driving your car and you see a stoplight turn red, you stop. 
Yes. Your brain doesn't go, ah, I learned red at four and I learned at seven that you stop. None of that happens. This is all an automatic process. So unfortunately, the majority of what we do is subconscious program. Yes. Habitual. Yes. That subconscious programming happens usually between the ages of zero to seven or up to 10. Unfortunately, we are raised by parents who are still learning themselves. Continuously, yeah. They're not perfect, or sometimes experiences happen and we learn things. And what hypnotherapy does is it helps people find their subconscious programming and simply rewire it. And a lot of people think, oh, I don't have trauma. I don't need this. A lot of my clients got left at a grocery store, and that's where they feel like the world is not safe, and they generate beliefs and ideas based on being left at a grocery store. So, Meaning that when they were a child or something, they got left at the grocery store. And yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a highly sensitizing event. And if a child is young, they're left at a grocery store and they're left for five minutes. You know, mom is just on the other aisle, but that was upsetting to them. Maybe mom was like, oh, I don't have time to deal with this. Why are you crying? They programmed. Yes. Have you read the book, How to Do the Work? Yes. <laughs> yes, of course you have. Which I think is fascinating, and it does. It, from reading that, you can see that there's the smallest things that happen in childhood. It, you know, like you said, a parent's two minutes late when they said they were going to be home, or something like that, can create anxiety that then trickles into other events that un unfold themselves. So, uh, you know, we're, we're talking. We're on the same page. Yeah. Yes. 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 Um, okay. So, the rewiring and the in the hypnotherapy. So, how do you? How does that? come into effect and, and you experienced that at a younger age right it was you went through hypnotherapy yourself right the first hypnotherapy session i had was actually in my early 30s um and i just tried it out why not and yeah. for myself I went tell us about that experience sorry sure uh so um full disclosure the reason i went to hypnotherapy was because a boy broke up to me and i was i was a heartbroken <laughs> Lines, because you have such a big heart. I can tell you give it in, and you know, it's a don't don't break exactly. our heart. Come on. <laughs> so I went there for that reason. However, I got something profoundly different and life changing um, beyond just healing from heartbreak. So, um, because I saw my grandfather commit suicide at eight years old, I had suicidal thoughts and ideations starting at the age of ten, and. I went to counseling, and you learn how to manage it. You don't want to die. You're simply just in pain, and you're hurting, and you want something else. So every time that came about, I kind of sit with myself and say, I don't want to die. This will pass. This is temporary. And that happened about once a month um, since about the age of 10. And when I went to hypnotherapy, I had an experience that seemed so real to me, and overnight I stopped having suicide. Whoa. Uh, so how did that happen? Yeah, please. So what was the experience like? The experience was, and I say this, um, I, you know, I told her I'd been to Spain and I have memories of Spain. Like they actually happened. And I told her the hypnotherapy session I had is just as real as my memories of Spain. And it felt like a very real place. So then, um... I asked her, it's like, how is it that I can keep going back to this place? And that opened up meditation for me as well. But for hypnotherapy, what personally happened for me is, this is true for everyone. There is an inner child. There is a part of us that needs to hear something that it didn't hear when it was younger. Mm. And we are constantly searching for someone to say those things. 
And for myself, I was going to romantic relationships trying to hear certain things. And for whatever reason, it was so unsatisfying. But when I did hypnotherapy, I went back to that inner child. And I rescued her and I told her what she needed to hear. Was this before or after ayahuasca? Okay. So it's so, all been a journey of putting yeah. it all together and yeah. trying to create something that can help people. It's beautiful. And it's an incredible journey that you've gone through to end up where you are here today, which just feels like this warm, light, loving person that is, is filled with wisdom um, from your experiences, I'm sure, from from the hypnotherapy and, and talking with, with the mother, mother root. Right. Um, okay. So hi- hypnotherapy, you experienced that, that lets you hear things that you needed to hear, which, which calms down some of these thoughts. And then, then you let, did that help lead into the ayahuasca journeys? I think it definitely yeah. did. Cause this is all like kind of built on top of each other. It's not like you just jumped in the deep end of the pool. Oh no, no, no. Uh, it all definitely built upon each other, even counseling. So counseling was a foundation for hypnotherapy. Hypnotherapy was the foundation for ayahuasca. So I definitely think it all happened. Now, what do you say to those who are like, I don't believe in hypnotherapy, but like, I don't believe in hypnotists, you know, like I'm just playing the devil. And I'm not saying that's me. But I'm saying, okay, for those who are listening right now, like, yeah, right. Like, what would you say to those people? Well, some people believe they can't be hypnotized. So when it comes to people who claim they can't be hypnotized, it's not like we're doing this and I'm getting you to do things and clucking like a chicken. (laughs) Uh, Not like that at all. What it really is is, you know, when you're driving and you don't know where you're going and you're just doing things without thinking, that's theta brainwave state. Um, When you're watching TV and you zone out, theta brainwave. Meditation, theta. Before you go um, wake up and right before you go to bed, that's theta. So we're literally just trying to slow down your brainwave state and we're putting information there. Um, If you don't believe that that's possible, we all are human. Uh, We all operate on the same brain frequencies and we all can be calm. So going into that state. Um, So I think everybody can be hypnotized. Is hypnotherapy for everyone? No. Is ayahuasca for everybody? No. Um, these are simply modalities that can help people who are ready to do real work and find the root cause of their issues. And unfortunately, not everybody is ready for that. Some people are attached to their illnesses, attached to their circumstances, and they just find themselves. Yeah, it's almost that's the comfort zone yeah. of, of, you know, whether trauma or chaos in the life of that becomes where you want to stay in that lane because that's the lane you know, familiarity. Um, yes. And for those, um, ayahuasca is on my bucket list okay. of things to do. Okay. Um, it will happen soon, I'm sure. Okay. Um, I'm very ready for it. It just haven't logistically set it up because I want to go do it in, in a proper way. Okay. Um, but I've watched tons of videos of high-level execs, CEOs going to do it to unlock the next chapter of their life where they're feeling empty. They have the family. They have all the success that they need, but there's something missing. And they go that and they come back and this whole new light is provided to, for them. So I share that here for the, for anyone listening that, you know, if you go watch a YouTube video, go find a documentary, go learn, learn about it. Cause it's, I think it's fascinating. And for these, um, you know, tribes or communities and different cultures that use this on the regular basis in terms for mental health. Mm-hmm. And I think there's, I know there's more and more research coming out that's showing how psychedelics and things like that are able to provide for veterans, those with PTSD, anxiety, all these different um, mental illnesses. Um, and it's helping and it's healing them. And these are things that have been shut away and kept from us for a very long time. But now there's lots of evidence coming out to, to prove otherwise. 
and hearing your journey and your experience it, to me is just another affirmation showing that there that this is a, an amazing thing that's natural that's here on this earth and that we just have to tap into and use absolutely and i would take it a step further um the body is a shadow of the mind and essentially um our body is also talking to us so illnesses as well so for myself before i did ayahuasca i was actually hospitalized seven times within 10 years um i had meningitis three times and sepsis once uh why who knows a compromised immune system is what i was told probably something related to stress and after doing ayahuasca i no longer have to deal with those things so before i have like this little uh tub of like prescriptions and medications that i took before now I take nothing. Um, and what I realized for myself is, again, the body is a shadow of the mind. And what was really making me sick is pushing down trauma. That takes a lot of energy and a lot of effort. And yeah. when we can let go of our afflictions and bury what's really making us sick, the body will tell you what it needs to heal. I love that. It I, I love that. And so how? So you're still, but you're still practicing law i am so on the other side of the bridge in tampa i am a partner at a law firm i've been a partner for 12 years that's awesome and what i like to do is this on the other side of the bridge of saint pete where i help people with anxiety trauma depression it is my labor of love mm. um and you know being a lawyer puts food on the table roof over my head but being a healer really it fills my Yes. Yes. I love that. I love that. So how long have you been in St. Pete? I've been in St. Pete for two years. They have a joke that people in Tampa constantly cross the bridge to St. Pete, but people in St. Pete don't cross the bridge. <laughs> I say it on every podcast. I say it on every podcast. So, yeah, uh, yeah I moved two years ago because I realized, why do I live in Tampa when I keep crossing? The yes. So. Yeah. Something about that bridge. Something about that bridge just changes. That big bay of water, just the whole vibe is different. Absolutely. It's a different pace of life, for sure. Yes. So I love St. Petersburg, and I'm glad to call it home and to start my office and my practice in St. Petersburg. No, that's fantastic. I, I really love that. Okay, so I've been here for two years. In, in, so you lived in Tampa yes. prior to that. Yes. And where else before that? Before that, I went to law school in Fort Lauderdale. Okay. Then I lived in Miami as well. Um, and I have practiced throughout the state of Florida and will say St. Pete is my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me, tell us why. Well, for myself, Miami was a little too busy. Um, there was just a lot going on. There's a lot of diversity there. But for myself, there was just too much. Um, and when I moved to Tampa, I think it was a slower pace of life. And St. Petersburg, what I love about it is like I can see dolphins every day if I chose to and watch a sunset. Um, when I first moved to St. Pete, I made the mistake of paying money to do a dolphin tour. Okay. Uh, joke is on me, go to Vinoy Park. 50% <laughs> chance a dolphin will come up to you. Yes, yes. Uh, so we live in paradise, and it's so easy to make friends in St. Pete. Um, people are so friendly and open that you could just go to a coffee shop. Why do you think that is? What's your perspective on that? I think it's a slower pace of life. I think it's easier to be happy, easier to be open. Um, that grind mentality, it exists everywhere. We are in the United States, but I think it's a little bit mm, So it's the, the, the pace. It, it, I, I would agree with that big time because I moved here from Philadelphia yeah. where, I mean, if you weren't in the office by 7.30, you were starting your day late. And here, man, if you come in at 9, you might be early. 
right? Like right. it's just a little right. bit different there, just in terms of of time of when you start work. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So St. Pete definitely has that, and I think it's the well, we know we talked about like the the art community here is big and open minded and all that fun stuff, and I think that slows things down a little bit as well. What's your favorite? So you, you like to go to Vinoy Park and see the dolphins. What else do you like to do in St. Pete? Um, my favorite place to work is Grassroots. Um, and I love that there is a variety of different things we can do here. So I have a friend and she will host picnics under the moon. And she gathers women to honor their divine feminine, which again is about slowing the pace yes, of life. Yes. I mean, honoring feelings and connecting with other people. Um, so I think it's an absolute, it's one of my favorite things to do. Where does she do that? She does that at Station House, another okay. St. Pete yeah. staple. Yes. Um, so she does picnics under the moon every new moon and every full moon. And they are absolutely incredible because she joins women together to slow them down. Um, if we're talking about masculine energy versus feminine energy mm-hmm. in Western culture, the grind mentality, a very masculine energy. Yes. Um, so to be able to gather together in a safe space and actually receive and stay in that feminine energy is a beautiful thing. And she does them in the park as well um, in that Benoit area. That's really cool. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. St. Pete has a lot to offer. However, what do you think it's missing? What do I think St. Pete is missing? Well, they're building public transportation. I saw that, that they're going to the beach. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the Sunrunner. It's up. Yeah. It's running. More parking. More parking. <laughs> yeah. That, that that would be nice. I don't know how we've solved that problem. Yeah, that's true. Parking is a thing. And there's only more and more people coming. Yeah. Yes, the traffic is. It's not terrible. It's not like Tampa. Yeah. I was just over in Tampa last night. Uh, my cousin goes to UT. And so yeah. once a week, I try to get over there to go to dinner with him. And every time I cross that bridge... And of course it's 5.30. Of course, what other time would I be going over there? No, the time when all everyone's trying to go come one way or another and traffic's crazy. Um, yeah, so we're not as bad as Tampa yet, but yeah. ho- hopefully we can maintain the, the traffic. Times are changing, and that's one of the reasons I stay at my practice in Tampa. It's a younger generation and being able to shift a little bit. Mm. So, for example, I tell the attorneys who work for me, because I believe that good attorneys, what makes them good attorneys is they're good people. If you need a mental health day, need a mental health day. Don't abuse the privilege, but if you need right. that, so yeah. Um, and I find that when you actually honor people's needs, that can exist within a professional landscape. For sure. And I think that that actually makes us more successful. Yeah. We work together very well because they know that their needs will be honored. So slowly shifting that lawyer mentality because lawyers are some of the most unhappy people <laughs> statistically. So to be able to be part of that shift as well, I think is such a... Well, what a way to dovetail in what you do with your, even in your profession to identify that as a problem, you know, to know like people look at lawyers as a prestige career, you know what I mean? People say, oh, well, my family wasn't a doctor, lawyer, whatever, right? It's held to this standard just by society. However, because of that grind, that constant, you know, 80, 100 hour a week work type of schedule, right? You have those that are, they may be, they might have bigger bank accounts, but they're not, they're empty inside, yeah. empty inside. And so now you get provide this avenue um, to help people is, is amazing. So do you help people? Do, does anyone come to you and say, okay, well, I want to do ayahuasca. Where do I go? They do. I always say step one is a free consultation. So it is a 30 minute free consultation just to see where you are in life, what you hope to accomplish. Um, and whether it's a good fit right now. Mm-hmm. Respectfully, some people, it's not a good fit. If you say you've never gone to counseling, you haven't read the books that you've read, 
you don't know what your inner child is and feelings make you uncomfortable, ayahuasca is probably It's going to be a wild ride. Open your pants in a shelter. No reason. Uh, so why, why do that? Yeah. Uh, so I do a consultation, and what makes my program a little bit different is there's a lot of hand-holding. Um, I do one month of guided preparation. I have seen the mistakes that other people have made going into a ceremony, and I do my best to prepare people so that they don't. What are some of those mistakes? Um, the two biggest mistakes. Mistake number one is that they are not open. So the reality of it is you have more control than you think. So if you take ayahuasca and you say, no, I don't want it. This is scary. Stop. Oh, it's going to get worse. Really? I have um, someone that I went with in December, and she approached me, and she said, it stopped. And like, what happened? She goes, well, I got scared, and it just stopped. So, you know, the shaman talked to her and said, just go lay down, and it'll come back, which it actually did. But at the end of each ceremony, you get together, and you have a conversation with everyone, and the group was like, you know, I have this wisdom and this insight, and she felt like, I didn't get that. And then it inspired her the next day, um, to really be able to open up and get the benefit of it. So I help people with opening up. What is it that you need to let go of? What are the parts of your life that need work? I'm not asking you to fix it, but be aware of it. So that you can... Right. Identify it. Yes. Um, so the biggest thing that people do is they're not really open. The other thing is they don't know how to ground themselves. And people who, especially in St. Petersburg, there's a lot of ways to ground. Sound baths, meditation, Numerous ways to ground, but there's a way to ground when you're pooping your pants and throwing up in the middle of the medical. Um, and people aren't always taught that. So I also teach people grounding techniques for when you are in that spot, because it can be a really rough ride. How is it that you center yourself so that it doesn't feel so out of control? To to cut pull back on maybe some of the scariness, because there is some beautiful things that come out of it. Could, could you share any of that that you experienced from it? So for myself, I found forgiveness for my family and for my parents. Um, and what did it feel like? Because I know it's a lot of feeling, right? Because with, with any of this thing, there's you, from my experiences, maybe through some other situations, that words are bits of information that are transferring from my consciousness to yours, sure. but they're not, they're, there's still data that's lost. Yeah. It's hard to completely transfer the feeling through word. We have tons of adjectives and things that try to describe it, but sometimes the words just aren't there. And so a lot of it is a feeling. So if you do your best to describe what was the feeling in that experience rather than maybe what you saw. I felt light. I felt free. Um, I felt love. And that's what you hear from everybody. The people have different words to describe it, but most people say they feel unconditional love. Um, so I would say that's the biggest takeaway is you feel unconditional love and acceptance. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Like a nice warm blanket. It is like a nice warm blanket, but it's like, how do you take that warm blanket home and have it with you everywhere? Yeah. Yes. Love that. Love that. What's your favorite place to eat in St. Pete? Favorite place to eat in St. Pete. Oh my gosh. Um, I love ceviche. Oh, good one. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I love Bodega. Nice. Uh, one of my new favorites. Maybe it's new to me. I've heard great things about that place. I haven't been there yet. Amazing. Yeah. And they tried to have a healthy food there as well, or the healthiest possible. Mm -hmm. So Soul Bistro is like. I love that. Yeah. Love that. That's on the top. That's at, in the top probably three or four on my list of new places I want to try. Yeah. 
that's one thing that's fun about doing this podcast is I get to hear everyone's fun places they like to go eat and then get to go try them out. That's fantastic. Well, I want to say there's there's so much here and we could go on for forever and ever, but I really appreciate you, you sharing your experience. And if people want to find out more about you and your program and everything else that you got going on, where, where should they go? Sure. So my website is www.adastraastra.com. Okay, we'll put that right there on the bottom. So that way it's easier for people to find. It'll be linked in the description, all that good stuff. I thank you so much, Lonnie, for coming on and sharing your experience and being vulnerable. Uh, you, I'm, I'm sure this touched someone in a way that, that will give them um, the power and strength to maybe have some conversations that they haven't had um, ever maybe in their, in their life. So I want to appreciate you for doing that. And for those of you that are still listening, wow, thank you for making it this far. Please leave a comment and say a word what should the word be that we leave in the comments? Love and light. Love and light. Leave love and light in the comments if you made it this far. Like, subscribe, hit the button, like, share, do all the fun things. Thank you so much. Your 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 so your support is so uh, appreciated. Keeps us going, doing all the fun things. Again, sponsored by Bogdan Homes, which is my business. If you know anyone who's looking to buy, sell, or invest in real estate, uh, shoot me a DM. It says real estate. Love you guys. See you on the next one. Thank you. Yeah, that was fun. That was fun. I am.